Hey, good morning. Hey, if you are here with us live or you're here uh, in the room or you're here online or you're watching later, really glad that all of you are with us. And if you're new, I'm Charlie, uh, the lead pastor here and glad that everybody is here uh, with us. And um, it's, it's, it's known, most, most people who've been around here for a while know that um, I don't pick out my own shirts on Sunday. If you ever think, oh, that's a nice shirt. I didn't buy it. I didn't, I didn't pick it out for that day. And so it's something Heidi does. But there was around 10 o'clock, around 10 o'clock last night, as um, I, I looked at her, I was like, okay, well, you go in the closet and you pick out whichever one of my Razorback shirts you like the best, because that is, that is what we're wearing. Apparently, this is, this is it. It's a, wide, it's, a wide, it's a wide selection. She had lots of, lots of things to choose from. So excited, uh, excited about that today, and as such, we are postponing our money series a week, and we're going to talk about when God finally leads you out of the wilderness, is what we're going to be... <laughs> talking about today. It was, a good, it was a good day. It was a good day. Who didn't sleep last night? Raise your hand. Yeah, I, so I don't know what you, I don't know what, well, I don't know what to tell you, what to expect. Um, I finally, I think I finally fell asleep around midnight and had really weird dreams for six hours and then was just up. So anyway, so we're, we're, we're running on fumes, so we'll just see what happens. All right, we are going to start our money series today, and I was kind of looking this up. Uh, researching stats and things like uh, last year, you know, in 2019, there was a study that was done that said that two thirds of the population um, would say that they ex- experienced pretty high levels of anxiety around money. Again, this is pre-pandemic, this is pre-COVID quarantine and economy shutdown. Anything that two thirds would say that they, uh, you know, high or severe levels of anxiety around money. Um, so fast forward a year, and that number is now well over 90 percent. The 90 plus percent of people right now would say that they are experiencing significant levels of anxiety about money. And in fact, in every age group except for people who are 70 or older, everyone describes it as the number one fear that they have. With older people, it's it's health concerns, but with everyone else. Number one thing, and again, 90 plus percent of us right now would say that we are experiencing significantly high levels of anxiety around money. Again, a year ago, it was, it was, you know, it was over 60, and now you just add all of this uncertainty, all these things that have happened. People, maybe you've lost your job, or you've lost hours, you've had your pay cut, or you run some sort of business, or you're part of a your restaurant, or all these things, and like, all these things are happening, and now there's just all of this fear and anxiety, and there are people and there are businesses that are not being able to pay their mortgages, not making their rent, not being able to make payroll. And, and, and even to the degree that you feel like right now you're doing okay, or we collectively think that we're doing okay, there's this perception out there that this is all on a house of cards, and that this unease and uncertainness and this in-between thing, that eventually this thing is going to collapse. We, we have some hope. We hope that, that that's not going to be the case. But you know, at 11 o'clock at night, 2 a.m. in the morning or whatever, and you're awake and you can't go to sleep, that's, that's this fear that we have. Also, there's this thing that I would always say when we do relationship series, we talk about money or whatever, talk about how it's one of the top things that is destroying marriages. One of the things, and, and it used to be, I'm just going to be honest with you, it was something I just said. I mean, I, I, didn't, I, I never really looked it up. So finally, I thought, man, if you're just going to keep saying that, you should probably like, you know, you know, 
look it up and make sure that the things are backed up. So I did, in fact, look it up and saw several surveys, and on just about every one of them, it was the number two reason, number two cause for divorce in the U.S. is some stress or differences and anxiety surrounding money. Number one being infidelity and number two being money. So it is the number one thing that is keeping us up at night, is the number one thing that is causing us overwhelming amount of anxiety, is one of the top things that are destroying marriages all over the country. And because of all of this, we, when, you, when there's something that you feel a lot of anxiety about and a lot of fear about, then, then, then what happens is, is you don't really want to talk about it. You don't want to talk to your spouse about it. You don't want to talk to a friend about it. You don't want to talk to anyone about it. And probably one of the last people that you want to hear talk about it is you, want, want, you don't want to hear me talk about it. And it's not because I don't think, and it used to be that pastors would say that you know, you know, we don't, people don't want to, us to talk about money because you're afraid that all this is just going to be a month-long ploy for me to say at the very end, and you know what? You should start tithing. And that it was just four weeks of just kind of, of setup. And so that there's distrust between the congregation and the pastors around this issue. And that some of that may still linger, but I really do believe that the primary thing that I think that is making us, even at this moment, just kind of well up a little bit is just, I don't want to talk about the thing that is causing me the most anxiety. Why would I want to? I mean, it's like, can you just imagine? It's like, here's what we're going to do. And after this, we're gonna, everybody's going to get in a line and then we're going to come one by one and we're just going to kind of go through your finances together. I want to see the bills that you have, see what your credit card bills are. Let's kind of look at your, your giving records for all the things that you're giving to. Let's look at your savings accounts. Kind of, I mean, like, you don't want to do it. Like, I don't, you, don't want to, you don't want to meet with a financial planner about retirement because you know that you're already, being, you're, do, you're already doing bad at it. And you don't need to sit in an office with a guy who's a financial planner and say, so you can hear him tell you something that you already know. Hey, man, you're not really good at your finances. Did you know that? I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, so, and so now we've got a double problem. I mean, it's a really big deal, and it's causing me a lot of anxiety. That's one of the problems. And because of that, I'm very sheltered and quiet and, 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 and don't want to talk about it. And I'm, I'm being dishonest with other people about it or not saying anything. And now we've got a double problem. that just only multiplies the anxiety. And as such, we made a decision. I made a decision a long time ago, and it's been true in the entire 10 years that we've been here that if it's going to be something, if there's going to be something in your life that is causing you that much stress and anxiety and fear, then that is going to be something that we're constantly talking about. Because if, if I fail to do that, then I'm trying to be your buddy and I'm not trying to be your pastor. I'm not really trying to help you. I'm just trying to get you to like me. But the reality of it is, is that I want you to be experiencing the fullness of the life that God has for you. And the only way that that's going to happen is if in the things that are the closest to our heart, the things that are causing us the most fear and anxiety, that, that we are allowing God to have primary um, lordship, the primary voice in all of these different areas. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to spend some time in Matthew chapter 6. So if you have a Bible or your Bible app on your phone, I encourage you to go there to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start in the middle and work our way out. Because what he says in the middle, he kind of has this big idea that he's trying to get across. And right before it and right after it, he has these two reasons, these two things 
that, that if you'll just, if you'll understand this, then, then, then this is what you need to do. <clears throat> so we'll start with this big idea and then spend the next couple of weeks after that, just kind of going into more depth about how we can really do this, this thing that, that Jesus is calling us to with our money. And then in week four, we're just going to spend some time just being real practical, just real practical about what are some things that we're going to need to do practically if we're going to right the ship a little bit with our finances to help us with this overwhelming anxiety that so many of us have. So Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25, again, this is Jesus speaking. He's kind of part of a sermon that he gave, and this is a section about it where he's talking about money. Verse 25, Matthew 6. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spend. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire... Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So it starts, verse 25, starts with the word therefore. I'll give you a little Bible study tip here if you're ever reading something and you see that word therefore. Basically what it is, is that obviously something that Jesus has said right before, like this, this is really important, you need to understand this. And because this is true, therefore you should not be worrying about what you eat or what you wear. And so again, he, what he's giving us is two really compelling reasons. One at the front and one at the, one at the end. We'll see, we'll see it again. We'll see the word therefore again as he's talking about this. He's giving us really two compelling reasons for why he's wanting us to do this, which is to not worry about life, what you eat, what you drink, what your body, what you wear. Don't worry about any of that. Don't worry about food. Don't worry about clothes. And he goes, man, look at birds. I mean, birds, they're just birds. But God makes sure that birds always have food. And you're so much more important than they are. And, and stop worrying. It'll, you're not adding anything to your life by worrying. And don't worry about clothes. I mean, look at flowers, look at grass, look how beautifully clothed that they are. And, and, and even though that they're just here for a little bit, and God loves you way more than grass, God loves you way more than flowers, don't, don't worry about it. Stop spending all of this time worrying about th this stuff. He says, people who don't trust God, that's the things that they go after. They're always going after that. It's like, I want this, I want this, I want this, I need this, I need this. He's like, that's what people who don't trust God do. God knows you need those things, so just trust him. And so he's got this idea, and, and, and it's really simple. be really simple to say, and a lot more difficult to kind of really put our hearts around it, which is this. <coughs> don't worry about what you have or what you need. Just don't worry about it. You've got stuff. You're going to need more stuff. Don't worry about it. Just, just don't give it. Just don't, just don't give it any, any, any of your fear, any of your anxiety. Just don't. Don't worry about these things. 
And so in Jesus' original audience, an overwhelming majority of them would have been the kind of people that when they had food anxiety, when they think about don't worry about food or what you're going to wear, a lot of them were people who legitimately were like, I don't know when, what we're going to eat next week. Like I have legitimate day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month fears about having enough to eat or having enough clothes. And so if that's you, then, 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 then this message is for you. This is not just something that, that Jesus said to people who have too much money and stop worrying about money. He's saying this to people who have legitimate anxiety about having enough to, to survive. And I also want to say, this isn't with the message, so we're going to stop the message, pause. If that is you, that's why we're here. If you have real need and real anxiety around, I don't know how we're going to be able to pay our bills in order to continue to survive. The church is here for you and please do not allow your own fear or anxiety or pride to keep you from reaching out to us and we will very discreetly make sure that you have, that you and your family, your kids have everything that you need. Okay? Pause. Okay. But there are some people in this audience, and he speaks to them. He's talking about pagans and thinking about all these different kinds of things. There are some people in his audience, too, that fall into a second category of people who aren't necessarily, when they think about their anxiety and their fear around money, it's really not about, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to eat next week, but I have a lot of anxiety about how are the things that I'm eating and how are the things that I'm wearing, how do these things compare to other people? I want to be thought of as someone who lives at this level. And so the fact that I'm just having uh, just a couple of little small pieces of bread, sure, I can, I can live off that. I'm sure I can live off the meager crops that I have, but I, I want to have I want to have more than that. I, I want to be thought. I want to be clothed beautifully. I want I want I want people to look and think, man, I admire his clothes. I mean, you you should, you should see what they eat for dinner. This idea of comparison and thinking that I have to have the same or I have to have more and I constantly need to be striving and, and, and trying to compete with all of these people out here and the status about it and feeling all of this worry and all this anxiety and all this shame around it, this is not an American concept. We have perfected it. I mean, we have taken the crown and run with it. But this is something that has, has been true from the very beginning. This idea of me comparing myself to you and it causing me legitimate anxiety. Not that I'm not going to have enough food to eat next week. But whether or not I'm going to be able to pay all of my bills and be able to survive long enough to keep up the appearances of what this lifestyle that I'm trying to make you believe that I have. I have enough money to survive, but I'm not spending money to survive. I'm spending money to make people around me think that I'm living at a level that my finances don't match. And so I have built, pre-pandemic, I've built my own house of cards. And, it is, and, it is, and, it, and, and we are just one financial disaster away from the house of cards falling. And then March happens, and here we are. 
And so now we are just filled with this overwhelming anxiety. And so God's got, he's got, these, he's got these, these, these two messages to these two different groups of people, but the, but the answer for them is the same. Don't worry about these things. God has you. God knows you need these things. And God, with birds, with grass, with everything that he's created, he takes care of them. God will take care of you. Don't worry about it. Now, one of the things that I do anytime that I'm reading a passage and then teach it about, get ready to teach on it, the things that I think about are, I'm going I'm I'm to read this, I'm going to say it, and what are the things that you're going to think where it's like, well, that's, that's, that's dumb. I mean, you would never say it out loud because it's like Bible stuff, right? But there's this thing like, oh, that's, uh, mm, I'm, not, I'm, not sure I, I'm not sure I buy into that. Like what, and so sometimes I just kind of weave it into what I'm saying. But today, and we do this every now and then, sometimes we just, just put it right out there. There's a couple of things that I'm thinking, I put this out there and I say, this is what Jesus says that you're going to be like, that is, I, I, I don't buy into that, right? And so we're going to look at a couple of what I think are some objections that, that, that you probably have, and I give you permission to have, about this, about this passage, and then just kind of address it. And the first one is this, is that this is just a platitude. You don't know what a platitude is. It's just something that people say, but it's not particularly helpful. I mean, this idea is like, oh, it's like you, know, you know, I know you're feeling anxiety around money, but let's listen to me here. Have you considered not doing that? Oh, thanks, buddy, for all of your practical wisdom and help in directing my life, right? Then it just becomes, then it just becomes a song, right? A, a song that I'm not going to sing. One of you can sing if you would like. Don't worry, be happy. Anybody want to just belt out a few notes of that? Oh, a little whistling, that's good. Better I got the first service. I got cold stairs in the first service. And, and, and this building sense that maybe I would change my mind and start to sing it myself, which I'm not. Um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an 80s music guy. It's, it's, it's after. Um, don't worry, be happy. It's like, well, that, that, that's really nice to say, and it's a really catchy tune, but it's not, I, would not consider, I would not put that in the category of practical life advice. In fact, sometimes when, when people say things like that to you, especially if you are battling like clinical anxiety, like, like real anxiety, and someone comes to you and is like, you know, don't be anxious. It's probably better than being anxious. And, you know, the Bible says don't be anxious. So that settles it. You're not going to be anxious now because now you know the Bible says don't be anxious. And like really the more that stuff like that gets said, sometimes the more stress it can cause. But this is just for a second. It's not, it's not just a platitude, but let's just say that it is. Let's just say that it is, and um, what harm is it going to do you just to try? Just say that I'm going to release all of the fear and the anxiety that I have around money. I'm just going to release it. I'm going to work, even though I may not even have a compelling reason to. I'm just not going to be, I'm going to just try to, I'm just trying to put it out of my mind. I'm going to try, anytime I think about it, I'm just going to whistle that tune. I'm just going to sing that tune to myself. Don't worry, be happy. Anytime anxiety comes up, even though I don't really have any good reason to, I'm just going to do it. Like what harm would that cause? And what good is the anxiety doing you? Like you spend all of this energy 
And Jesus says, it's not adding to your life. And if I may insert an idea, it is probably shrinking your life. The fear and the stress and the attention and the focus that we give it. But the reality of it is, it's not just an empty thing. Because he's not just saying, stop doing this. He's actually pointing you towards something. Stop worrying about money and, and learn to trust God. God has you. And so rather than simply whistling a tune, what if you just made a, made a decision? The next time, 2 a.m., you wake up and you can't go back to sleep because of money. Or it's 11.30 and you can't go to sleep because your brain just stop, just, just won't stop. What if you just took some time to say, God, I'm just really worried about our finances right now. God, I know you've got it. You said you've got it. Please let me live like you've got it. Please let me believe in my heart that you've got it. Please give me peace. Please let me go to sleep. What if you just started speaking back to it and praying and giving it to God and just making a discipline to say that when the anxiety comes, I'm going to remember this. God, I know you've got it. Please, God, help me really, help me really believe that. Help me trust you. Rather than just allowing the anxiety and the fear to run unchecked in your brain and in your heart. It's not, just, it's not just empty words. It is the God of the universe saying, if you will stop this and instead look at me, I will take care of it. Now the second objection, I don't know if anybody but me would have, but to me it just kind of leaps out of the page as he's, as he, as he's kind of talking about. It's like, man, you don't have to worry about these because being a, consider birds. Birds, they, they always, God makes sure they always have food. And think about flowers. Flowers always have uh, they always they always look pretty. It's like like when you start using that as a metaphor, like birds and flowers. I don't know if I want to be a bird or a flower, right? Because the reality of I'll say it like this: I don't want the lifespan of a flower, and I don't want the predators of a bird. I'll just like consider the birds. They're so carefree. They just got worms whenever they want them. And yeah, people be eating them, and like every other animal would be trying to eat birds. I don't. I mean. That, they, they should worry. I got I to gotta worry about a, a, a whole lot of things. Oh, but, but just be like flowers. Like a flower? Like two days I'm dead? Like that kind of flower? Like that's not what I want. I don't, I don't want that. And it just, I was like, I, I, I want something very different. Like, like, like I have all this fear. It's like to say that God is going to take care of you like a bird or like grass, is not necessarily 100% comforting. And Jesus, of course, acknowledges that. And he says, you know, this is just the baseline. This is baseline, birds and grass. How, how much more is God going to take care of you? But even in there, there is an implied challenge, concern, which is, we'll just say it this way, is that, don't worry, God has this, doesn't mean everything is going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that, that there aren't going to be problems and challenges. 
Trusting God is not about making your path perfect. Trusting God isn't about making sure that you will always have everything you want all of the time. Trusting God means he says, he's going to take care of you, period. He will. God will take care of you. What does that mean? It means God will take care of you. Why? What I want that to mean is I'm not ever going to have any problems again. Well, that's just naive. But what it is, is that God will take care of you. God has you. And there is a freedom that comes with that if we will let it. Like the time that I feel like I experienced this the most was when we went to seminary, which is preacher grad school. And this was, I can't believe this. I was was thinking about this. It's been 20 years. It was 20 years. And um, our oldest daughter, Maylee, she was two. And our middle daughter, Lauren, uh, Heidi was pregnant with her. She's about six months pregnant. And I've told a lot of stories around this. Most of them were terrible. It was a really, it was a really difficult two years, especially financially for us, which I went from having a real, a a regular full-time job with salary and benefits and everything to a part-time pizza delivery driver, which was terrible. And then went from that to being a Chick-fil-A manager, which was better, but still very, very challenging. And it was especially challenging for us financially because it's a fairly limited income for a full-time student who has a wife and two kids and a wife who needs to stay home with those kids. It's a very limited income, very, very, very challenging. It was a very challenging circumstance for us. And I had this spreadsheet that I made that had all the money that we knew that was coming in and all the bills that we had to have and all the expenses that we needed and all these different things. And no matter how I worked this spreadsheet out, the the number at the bottom always came out red. I don't know what you know about spreadsheets, but red is bad, black is good. It was never black, it was always always red. It was always red, it was always bad. You do not have enough money this month. You do not have enough money these next six months. You do not have enough money to make seminary happen. That's what the numbers always said. And then in the midst of all of that, cars kept blowing up. And you think, ha, 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 what an exaggerated thing to say. It's like, no, like there was one that like the tires ended up melting to the pavement because it, it blew up. Thankfully, none of us were in there when it finally like blew up, blew up. But they, they, there's several, I mean, like it was, it was, it was bad. It was a very scary time. It was a very uncertain time. But at the same time, I remember I remember looking at this spreadsheet probably more days than I should have. And I remember just praying, like, God, you brought us here. You sent us here. This is your spreadsheet. We need you. We need you. And every month, we always had enough money. We had all these contingency plans about, about savings accounts and retirement accounts and having to liquidate a lot of different things. And I'm telling you, Two years in seminary with this spreadsheet, when two years was over, not only had we not had to dip into any of our savings, but we had more money than when we started. Now, I tell you, I'm not an idiot when it comes. I was a math major. I, 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 if you're an accounting, an engineer, got that kind of brain, like you want, it's like, well, how did, how did that work? There must have been something. And I'm like, I know there should have been something. There must have been something. There had... I, I'm just telling you, I don't know what it is. Someone who poured over these numbers all the time, except just little bits of God's blessings, just enough spread out to make sure that we were always going to have what we needed because we were trusting Him and we were following His plan. 
at our most desperate time, God made sure that we had him. And there's part of me that's like, it just, I, I long a little bit for that. In a time where we're nowhere near that level of desperation anymore. It's like a, that, that level of closeness of just overwhelming trust in God. Because ultimately, we'll just kind of summarize it again in a simpler way. Ultimately, what Jesus is trying to get across here is trust God, not yourself. You trust God, not yourself. If I were to say to you right now, God's going to take over your finances completely. So he's going to be in charge of how much money comes in. And he's going to be in charge of how you spend all of that money. God is completely in charge. He's now, he's now your personal accountant on, responsible for all the money that comes in and all the money that comes out. You no longer have any responsibilities. <clears throat> Would you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? We could probably do a psychological test um, on that based on your answer. Or maybe it's based on your Bible knowledge. Of what you, or really, it's kind of based on what you believe about God. If your brain immediately goes to Jesus feeding the 5,000, right? He's got to take this one little bag, this one little kid's lunch and prays over it and feeds 5,000 people with it and has more, more, more left over than what he started with. He's like, I'd love me some of that. That's, that Jesus is going to come take over my money. That'd be great. $1,000 comes in. He's like, boop, 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 boop. And he spends $20,000. He's still got $1,000 in the bank. I got more money in the bank. I'll take that if that's what we're talking about. And some of you are like, man, I ain't what I'm thinking. This is God, God's going to be charging my money. He's probably going to let me have as much. He'd be like, oh, you got to give this money away. Oh, you should save instead of buying that cool new thing. I'm going to be able to buy cool things. I got to save. got to give. And, 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 and it would be oppressive in some way. But the reality is, is those two things weave together. Because when we say trust God, not yourself, what we're not talking about is you and all of your mediocre to bad ideas about how to manage money. And then, and then you find yourself in some desperate situation. And then God, God, please help me. He's going to kind of sprinkle some magic dust and kind of make all the problems that you created disappear. Trust God is I trust his plan. I'm going to trust God with my money. I'm going to do with my money, what God says I should do with my money. I'm going to manage it in a way that he says my priorities are going to be God's priorities. And so that will, that is going to involve you probably giving a little bit more. It is going to involve you waiting to buy certain things, not buying certain things, being more patient, being, being more generous, being more frugal. It's going to involve all of those things. But then in the end, you know who's always going to show up? The feeding 5,000 guy. That's the God that we worship. A God who, who wants to bless us. But he wants to bless you by you trusting him. God blessing you isn't, he's just going to make it okay whatever you decide you're going to do. And that's a very different mindset. I was talking with this, um, this counselor the other day. This is a couple weeks ago, and it's a completely different issue. She gave some advice. I objected to the advice. <clears throat> and then she said this, well, you've tried it your way for your whole life. It doesn't seem to be working. Why don't you just try this? I'm not going to lie. I'm really mad. 
when she said that. I didn't like, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. Problem is, she was right. That was, the, that was the most frustrating part of the whole thing. Man, you've tried it. You've tried it your way. And by and large, most of you are crippled, overwhelmed by anxiety and fear about money. You tried that. And you've tried trust God, which means God bail me out of the situation I made. But have we really tried trusting God? His plan, His priorities, I give over the fear, I give over the control, I give over the anxiety, and I give it all to Him. Let me pray.